morning. Let's do it again. Man, that was amazing worship, right? Man, oh man, oh man. I love coming back and worshiping on Sundays and praising God with all of you. His church is Sunday. It is fun day, right? Come on, church. Bring it on. Bring it on. Come on. Let's go. It's also football day. Some of you are like, I don't really care about football. Come on. Football started, well, it started Thursday night. We're going to have a conversation. Can't go back to that. But I just want to share with you. You saw all the team members wearing their jerseys and stuff, who they think they're going to win. Some of you right here, right? Um, I just want to share with you, so you know right up front, so when February comes, you know that the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl this year. And we're a church of encouragement. Come on. And when they do win, you're like, Rich is a prophet. Actually, let's not go with that because Scripture says if someone prophesies and doesn't come true, you take them out and stone them to death. And knowing the Dolphins' record over the last 30 years, yeah, we're in trouble. (laughs) Man, it is great to be here. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. We love the fact that we have this technology to reach you with the gospel truth no matter where you are. Um, We're glad you're a part of it this morning because you're a part of our family here. If you're new with us, welcome. Man, welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you're here today. Yeah, get up for the guests. Come on. Come on. They're new with us. They're our guests. Um, my name is Rich. I have the privilege to be one of the pastors here on staff to serve an amazing church filled with amazing people. I hope you had that opportunity where you're crawling out of your skin to meet someone new that, that you met some of them this morning. Um, welcome to Vertical. We pray that you have a God-awesome time with us this morning, that you meet God in a real and a personal way. Church, we are knee-deep or really deep into this series called Radical Hospitality, and I wanted to share with you, if you're just coming in this morning and you have missed, missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go to our podcast. I don't know if you know we had a podcast or not, but we do, and it's free to listen to, free to download, free to share with your friends, but I want to share, go listen to them if you missed the conversations, because they're very challenging. I mean, let's just be real. They've been very challenging about how we are called to reach people and who we're called to reach and working through some things that are deep within inside of us that we need to bust free from. And it's, that's where this idea from where radical hospitality comes from. Radical hospitality is going through extreme measures to remove the barriers in our lives to love strangers. To go through extreme measures, do what we need to do to remove the barriers to, to show hospitality to love strangers. And by the way, that's what hospitality means, the love of strangers. When you see that word in Scripture, when you're reading the Bible, there it is, read the Bible. When you're reading the Bible, you see that that's what he's talking about, loving strangers. And it's been such a challenging series as we're walking through this because it's a vital message for our mission as a church. As a church, we're called to share the message of hope, reach outside these walls and step into the lives of people that we don't know and just share Jesus, the love of Jesus, be Jesus for them. And so through this series, man, we've been digging in, we've been unpacking our perspectives, we've been knocking down the walls or barriers that stop us, that get in the way from reaching and sharing Jesus to the people that God is bringing across our lives. And I shared this last week, and it's this idea where it comes from, working through, that one of the most provocative parts of Jesus' earthly ministry was the company that he kept, the people that he went to, 
to show love to, to hope from. You know, religious leaders of the time, we talked about it, called them Pharisees last week. They, they constantly saw Jesus with people they thought were lower class. They constantly, constantly saw Jesus with people that they thought were outcasts, unworthy. In fact, they rebuked him for it. They mocked him for it. And last week, they questioned him for it. They said, okay, why is this Jesus who calls himself God, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? That's the NIV translation. If you look at the NLT, it calls them scum. Why is Jesus eating with scum? What I find absolutely interesting that challenges me the most, the Pharisees kept pushing these people, kept them at a distance. But when I read scripture, Jesus kept on bringing them near. The people that they thought, okay, I'm just going to push them away. They're going to hurt my status with God. I don't want to be around because they disgust me. We talked about last week, right? But Jesus, no, 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 what do you do? He went and brought them close. He brought them near to him. And what we're discovering, and this is very unfortunate, but we're all in this game together. There are times in our own lives when we act more like the Pharisees than Jesus. There's times in our own lives when we have these barriers and we're acting like the Pharisees, not like Jesus. We push people away, not draw them close. We might not like hearing that, but it's true. There are people in our lives who are called to reach, called, God brought them. God doesn't do anything by accident. On purpose, for a purpose. Someone comes across our lives. God ordained it to happen. And we're called to do something radical. We're called to push against the norm, society's norm. But many times we choose to look the other way and go the other way. So this morning, we're going to dig in. We're going to dig in a little bit further, we're going to push ourselves a little bit further, and we're going to knock down some more barriers. You with me, church? Ready? Are you ready? Yeah. All right, open your Bibles if you would. Open your Bibles if you would to Mark chapter 1, where we're starting at verse 40. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40. As we get into the book of Mark, I love Mark, people have dubbed it the, the man's gospel, right? The man's book of the Bible, because it's very short and to the point. I don't know why they say that, but they do. Um, you get into it, Mark was a follower of Jesus. Mark was a follower of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And the, the book of Mark was written to share the truth that Jesus' life we can learn from here and now. In fact, the very first words, so I won't be on the screen, it says, in the beginning of the good news was about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. So it's all about Jesus, all about what, he's, what he came to do and what he's called us to do. And as we step into verse 40 this morning, Jesus got, just, got complete, just completed a healing tour, okay? Jesus just healed people. It was absolutely miracles and awesome. And if you read before verse 40, if you go back and read your Bible, you would see that he was casting out demons out of people. He was healing people. He actually went in and healed Simon Peter's mom. She was sick. He went and touched her. She stood up and the fever went away. And the word got out that this, this amazing guy was healing people, was, was in town. And, and, and what happened was people knocked on the door. 
And they open a door at Simon Peter's mom, Peter's mom's house, and there was the whole town, it says. The whole town was there with all their sick, with all their demon-possessed. They said, Jesus, can you, can you take care of this for us? And he did. He took care of, cast out demons. He healed them all. And then all long after that comes a man, a man with a disease that walks in the scene we call leprosy. He comes before Jesus. And this is where you and I slow down and we step into Scripture looking at verse 40 of Mark chapter 1. It says, the man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant, full or compassionate, a little bit upset. He reached out in his hand and he touched the man. He touched the man. He says, I am willing. Be clean. Immediately, leprosy left him, and the man, he was cleansed. Let's just stop right there. Leprosy is a contagious, infectious skin disease. It causes lesions on the skin that looks like scales, irreversible nerve damage that causes lack of ability to move, a feeling, and people lost extremities from, their, from repeat damage and injuries. Man, it was transferred by contact. It was a disease that no one wanted. And in fact, I think I have some pictures here for you to look at so you can see what happens when people heal from leprosy. It wasn't always a deadly disease, but it was a disease that absolutely no one wanted. That's gross, right? Come on. So as you can imagine, as you can imagine, people wanted nothing to do with those who had leprosy. They didn't want to be around them. They were the outcasts of society. They were unwanted, uncommunity people. If you go back and look at Leviticus, the book of Leviticus, in chapter 13, it gives clarification how isolated these people with uh, leprosy were. Look at this at verse 45 of chapter 13 in Leviticus. It says, anyone, anyone with such a defiling disease must be wear torn clothes. And their hair unkempt and must cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean, as long as they have the disease that remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. Let's just stop there again. You can see how these people were pushed out. They were told to get out, not be a part of God's people. Every time they walk into an area where, they, where people were, out, were at, they had to shout, unclean, unclean. Church, could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? That every time you walked into a store to get groceries and you were saying, unclean, Unclean! You had to just start shouting that, and then you had to rip your clothes and cover the lower part of your face. And every time you go into society, and this is your side of life, this is how community meets you, all you do is see the back of people because they're running the other way. Could you imagine if that was your life? How you were treated. People fled your presence. 
Enter Jesus. Jesus is willing to step into the, the face of culture and to really reveal his love for his people, proclaiming the truth that he changes everything. He didn't care what the, the Pharisees thought. In fact, he didn't even care what his disciples thought. Because at this point, Jesus was leading them and he was teaching them to live and love the same way. The question that we're faced this morning, when understanding this radical, hospitable lifestyle and what God's called us to do and who he's called to reach, we have to answer a question. You have to answer a question. Are you willing? Are you willing to step in? Are you willing to cross the divide? Step into the world of society of people that, that people think they're unworthy. Maybe even greater than that. Are we willing to dig deep within ourselves and crush the barrier that stops us from reaching that we have deemed unreachable? Those who are in our lives that we have deemed unreachable for Jesus. Again, friends, it doesn't mean those who we think are lower, lower class, us in society. It also goes, in, it goes all directions in life. It means the people who are different than us. People who live differently than us. People who think differently from us, act differently from us. We deem them unacceptable. And there's a good chance we will not walk across the room and share the greatest message ever given to mankind that Jesus saves. Let's think through this for a second. I want you thinking about your, your political beliefs. I want you to think about your political beliefs and how the, the last election of how you voted. And then I want you to also think about how you plan to vote this election. Now, keep it to yourself. All right, keep it to yourself. Politics has no place in the church. But think about this. How you are going to vote. How you're planning to vote. Now I want you to think about people who voted differently than you. Oh. When someone differs in us, don't we think that maybe something's wrong with them? Right? Don't we think that something's wrong with them? Maybe, maybe they're not as smart as I am. I mean, because I got you know, some letters behind my name on my business card. Right? Or maybe they are as smart as I am, but maybe they're not as moral as I am, as righteous as I am. Because we look at them and think, how could they, how could they ever think that? We look at them and think, how would you even vote for that person? Because, oh my gosh, you don't just stand for it. And we get all this turned up inside and we get frustrated with them. We are in disgust with them. And we want nothing to do with them. Friends, every one of us has a hitch in our hearts. And if they are not my kind, they are not my circles, 
what I believe. Man, there must be something wrong with them. And if we are not <laughs> conscious of it, if that hitch is not monitored, we will unknowingly reject the very people God put in our path to reach with the message of hope. And by the way, the order how Jesus did things, if the order how Jesus did things was switched, the impact of this passage would be completely different. Right? If you look back and you go back and read it, you see that Jesus touched the man before he healed the man. He touched the man before he healed the man. He showed his radical love to a stranger. He went against the, the grain of society that dictated for thousands of years how people were to be treated. And that's, that's pretty radical. Well, that's Jesus. And I have to ask us as a church, are we willing to follow the example of our Savior? Are we willing to step in and touch a life of someone of the society or we have deemed unacceptable, unwanted, unworthy, and then bring the gospel to overcome the barrier that we have? Now, to be able to overcome that barrier, we need to understand what the barrier is, Right? Right, you keep on telling us they're going to be a tear down the barrier, but what is the barrier? We don't know what it is. Well, maybe, maybe it's this idea. I think many of us are faced with this psychological idea. It's called negative dominance. This idea is negative dominance. It's, it's this idea that when a contaminated object comes in connection with a pure object, the contaminated object always wins. The contaminated object always contaminates the pure object. The pure is no longer pure. It's, that's negative dominance. Negative dominating the pure. So this morning I want to give you a, a little idea what this means. I brought this morning a little, some things to kind of illustrate this. Um, my, my little bag, handy bag of stuff. Um, this morning I have an apple. I don't like apples, but so many of you do. Right? Apple represents the purity, something good for you, right? Everybody with me on this? Okay, so then, and then I brought a contaminant. Um, <laughs> um, most of you know that we have a dog, and his name is Parker, right? And he's a really cute dog. I gotta put a glove on, hold on. Doesn't quite fit, here we go. And so I brought some, you know, a little bit of Parker with us this morning. Um, what? Now, right now, some of you are like, dude, you've, you've lost it. <laughs> right? The fact that you bring dog poop into church, you're, you're, you're crazy. And inside, you're like, your disgust meter is going off the charts. Like, why would you? I did. Okay, here we go. So I brought a little bit of Parker here with us. 
So I'm going to open this up. And here we go. What would you think happens when a little bit of Parker touches the apple? You throw them both out. Right? We immediately feel and think, that, okay, there's no way. There's no way. Would any of you right now, let me just, would you eat the apple? Would you eat the apple? Why? Because the contaminant showed the negative dominance and destroyed the purity of the apple. There's nothing we could do. Would any of you eat this? Please say no. Please say no. Why? Because there's nothing we can do. There's nothing, there's no way the purity of this apple would, would do anything to change the contaminant of the dog poop. There's nothing. Negative always wins. That's our mindset. Now let's bring this back. Let me get rid of this first. We'll leave the apple out. That was gross. Let's bring it back to what Jesus did. In their society in their culture, the unclean were outcasts. Why? Because being in the proximity around them, being clean people disgusted them. And because they feared of being negative, negative dominated, contaminated, they were set outside of town and people wanted nothing to do with them. Then enter Jesus again, man. He steps on the scene, and again, he changes everything. He showed them that not only being around unclean people is crucial, but he showed by touching them while still being unclean, he teaches one thing. The power and the purity of Jesus overcomes the darkness and the brokenness of people. The power. And the purity of Jesus overcomes the darkness and the brokenness of people. Simply because the power and the purity of Jesus overcomes the darkness and the brokenness of this world. Again, this is absolutely radical teaching in their time. And it's still radical for us today because people all the time are getting pushed away. We want nothing to do with you. Why? Because people fear and they think and they feel, they, they would step into the world, right? Man, they're going to they're gonna mess with my life. The, the negative in their, in their lives is going to start coming on me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what they're doing. I can't reach into the world, Rich, because if someone sees me with them, they might think I'm like them. That I believe in what they believe. We forget that as children of God, that we have the Holy Spirit of God residing within us to be the light out to the world. 
that we're called to step into the lives of the society or maybe we have deemed unclean. That's not the unclean, the contaminant that will win out, the broken that went out, but the light of Jesus is going to win out. That when he expressed the life of love lived before them, hope filled in our hearts, this radical hostility of love and a stranger. To see that there's hope. But are you willing, church? Are you willing? Right now, there are people in our lives who need Jesus. They want to feel wanted. They want to feel loved. But they have been rejected so many times, too many times, for too many years, by too many people, and maybe, maybe by too many churches. That they're at the point they don't care anymore. Their hearts are hard, and rightfully so. We have the greatest message. The one and only message that changes lives for eternity. And I shared this last week. At some point, someone stepped into your life and shared the hope with you. Regardless of what you were going through, how you were living, and how you are acting, Here's the thing, this is what I know. Here's the thing. We sang a song this morning about Lazarus, right? We sang a song about Lazarus this morning. And there's this idea that Jesus called him out, right? Jesus called a dead man alive. And so when we're stepping in, we're not saying we accept their lifestyle. We're not saying we are approved and too many churches approve of stuff that it shouldn't be approved of. What we're saying is we're calling, Jesus is calling you out to a new life. Jesus is calling you out to something greater. We're not the Holy Spirit. He is. And he steps into the world and he changes your lifestyle. He changes what they're holding to, right? We, we call them out. Come out. Come on out. Come out and be changed by Jesus and let him radically change who you are day by day until you see him face to face. And the impact of not doing this Is greater than we think. Look at verse 43. It says, Jesus sent them, sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell anyone. See to it that you don't tell anyone, but go your show yourself to the priests and offer sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to freely talk. Spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter into the town openly, but he stayed outside in the lonely places. Yet people came to him from everywhere. Man, let's just, I read, I read this passage and I think, okay, come on. Come on. These are one of those passages that absolutely confuse me. I would think 
that Jesus would want this guy to go out and tell everyone what just happened. Proving and proclaiming that he is who he is and how he changes lives. I mean, wouldn't that just make sense? And sometimes that's the point. Are you willing to obey even when it doesn't make sense? Are you willing to obey when it doesn't make sense? I mean, come on. Jesus has changed the leper's life radically. And what he did was take a man who was an outcast and gave him an opportunity to a new life, a connected life, have some friends in his life, and possibly back with his family. And all Jesus asked him to do was to be obedient. Friends, there's going to be some times when we're asked to live radical, hospitable lives, and sometimes, man, this is not going to make sense to us. This is not going to make sense. And we're going to reach out to these people? You want me to invest in their lives? People will know what they stand for when I'm with them. Who cares? The cause of the kingdom is far greater than what makes logical sense to you and I. Jesus crushed the cultural norm. He reached into the world of someone whose society says they were absolutely rejected and his life was changed right then, right there, and possibly forever. That can't be us. We can't not be obedient. This guy was disobedient and he actually hindered the ministry of Jesus. He did what he wanted to do, not what Jesus told him to do. And it created a, yet another barrier for Jesus to overcome. Yes, people came to Jesus from everywhere it says. I saw that in scripture. But let me just ask you, what is more effective? Jesus standing outside of town and people coming to him, who, those who think they should? Or Jesus entering the scene and proclaiming the truth in front of the whole town? What's more effective? That can't be us. Even when God is asking us to do something radical to love a stranger, when it doesn't make sense, we need to be willing. Because when we're not, when we're disobedient, what he has called us to do, who he's called us to reach, we're a far cry from living out our mission as a church. Think about it right now. Who, who is in your life that you have been rejecting, walking away from, refusing to have a conversation with, because they're different. But for some reason, God keeps on bringing them across your path in life. Who are those people? In your workplace, your coworkers, your boss. Who are those people in your classroom, your classmate students? 
that person's a bully or that person's this. You don't want to engage with them at that level. Who is in your neighborhood? Who are those people that, man, it'd be really cool if they went to church as long as it wasn't this church. Do you got them? Got them in your head? Can you picture them? Great. Now what I want you to do is take those invite cards that are on your seats and find a way to get in front of them this week and invite them to come to church. Invite them to come and hear the message of hope that Jesus saves and let them know that they are loved by you and by God. Just let you off the hook, church. That was a Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Don't tell second service. <laughs> I had a friend, uh, I have a friend whose his name is Roddy, he's a pastor um, in, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he had these neighbors down the road from his neighborhood of Sharon and Bob. And Bob was an angry man who spent a lot of time out in his garage drinking out of his fridge, if you know what I mean. And no one wanted to be around him. He wasn't nice to his neighbors, wasn't nice to people. And one day Roddy was, went down and was walking by and started talking to him. And he had a conversation. He said, well, come on in, sit down. It was early in the morning. He said, hey, do you want a drink? He reached back and grabbed some bourbon, poured a glass or something like that. And then Roddy's like, no, that's fine, that's fine. I don't, I, don't, I don't need that. And he had this amazing conversation with this man, just breaking the ice that he's a human being who needs Jesus. And when he come to find out in this conversation, Bob was very angry because his wife was dying of cancer. He, was very, he didn't know what to do. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And she was passing away from cancer. And he was like, come on, how do you explain that about your God? And Roddy's like, I don't know. But I'm here right now. I'm with you. Let me just tell you about it. And he spent time with him. A couple weeks went by. Bob gave Roddy a call. He said, Roddy, I need your help. Sharon's on the floor, and she threw up all over herself, and I can't get her off the ground. So Roddy got up in the middle of the night, went down, and picked Sharon up. And then they sat down and had a conversation about Jesus. A couple weeks later, Sharon passed away. And he called up Roddy and said, Roddy, can I come to your church? That's what it's about. Living it out. What's amazing about this passage is that it reflects the gospel of what Jesus did for all humanity. If you look back at verse 45, it says, Indeed, instead he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the good news, right? This man who was healed. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter the town openly, but stayed outside in the lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Do you see where Jesus ended up in this whole situation? The leper who was an outcast came to Jesus and said, if you are willing, he was in isolated places. 
He came to Christ, he said, to be clean, to be cleansed. And Jesus gives him his cleansing, and he restores him to community. He has a new life. But after this miracle was performed, where do we find Jesus? He was in isolated places. He was outside of town. He became the outcast. The leper and Christ traded places. The outsider was brought in, and Christ was kept out. Friends, that's how sinners enter the family of God. Because a son was forsaken by the father, we can join the household of God for us to be made clean. Christ had to be reckoned unclean for our sake, take our penalty, our sin on the cross. Jesus didn't overlook the uncleanliness of our lives or this man. Man, he conquered it. That's the gospel. And he didn't conquer the uncleanliness. He traded places with it. The lepers for the, the lepers of all mankind. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be what? Sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. See, Every one of us, each and every one of us who are in this room or watching online have been born with something like leprosy. We are born with a disease that eats away from us on the inside and out. It destroys us. It destroys the feelings in our body. It eats away at our skin. It isolates us from community and that disease is sin. And scripture says over and over again in places that leprosy it's just like sin. It starts out with slow consumption and it will eventually kill us. What we needed or what we need is Jesus to come in and cleanse us like he did the leper. We needed him to come and trade place for us. Him go to the cross for our sin, not us dying. We need to be washed clean. Where we need to be willing to let him heal us. And he did that very thing on the cross for you, for you, for you, for you, and for you. That's the gospel. And I'm wondering right now, in this room, have you ever accepted that truth? You may be sitting here like, Rich, I'm hearing all this stuff about Jesus, how he changes everything. Maybe you need to hear that how much he loves you, that he died for you. He took on your sins so you can become the righteousness of God, became right standing before God, that he said, I'm, I'm going to pay the price that you deserve to die, but I died for you. And scripture says what you need to do is believe on him and surrender, confess your mouth, confess with your sin. Like, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. I know I can't, I can't do it on my own, and I surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. And maybe today's the day to change all that. Maybe today's the day that you're like, like I'm going to surrender. 
and give my life to Jesus Christ. That's what that story reveals. A radical exchange of brokenness and pain and loneliness to hope, community, and eternity. So right now, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come forward. And I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you, whoever you are in this room, as I pray, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ and you're willing to do that today, to do that. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to talk to our prayer teams. Talk to them. Share with them what you have just done. Do not let fear win. Do not let what you've been told all your life that put you down win. Let Jesus win in your life this morning. And then we're going to celebrate. Because that's what Luke 15 tells us. Heaven rejoices when people accept Jesus Christ. Surrender their lives to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love for us, man. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. How he's radically changed lives the last 2,000 years and how he's still doing it today. How he steps in as a substitute for the punishment that we deserve because of his outpoured love for a stranger, for people he didn't even know. I thank you for the truth of Scripture. That points out the radical love of Jesus over and over again. How we need to be a church willing to crush the walls that we've built up, the barriers we put up, our perspectives that we like to hold to, to talk to someone about the hope of Christ, to simply invite them to come to be a part of this church. Invite them to the small groups. Invite them to get to know Jesus personally. So God, I also pray right here, right now, I don't know who's in this room who does not know you, but they do. And I don't know what they're walking through, what their fear is right now, but you do. They might want to take this step. They're not fully sure how to do it or what it takes, what it means. But they know that where they're at and there's a better life in Christ, and they're ready to surrender and give him everything. So I pray right now, Lord, before we, we step in and they give them an opportunity to pray and surrender their lives, I pray that you infuse them with strength and courage. <laughs> Magnify your calling in their life to come to you. Don't let their ears go silent, Lord. If that's you in this room, let you and I have a conversation with God right here, right now. Let's say some words. You can 
Repeat them to yourself out loud. It won't be in the exact words that I say. It will be in your heart and your life to surrender the truth of Jesus Christ. Repeat after me, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sin. That I've chosen to live a life on my own. For myself, by myself. Today my eyes are open to the truth of Jesus' love. I believe in who Jesus is. I believe that he was your son. I believe that he died on the cross for my sin, took on my disease. And not only did he take it on and die from it, he conquered it and rose from the grave. So today's the day, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I am all yours. You are my Lord and Savior. If you're in this room and you prayed that with me, with our, everybody's heads down, eyes closed, would you raise your hand and show me? Keep them up. Those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to be bold and courageous right now. Would you get out of your seats and come to the front? There were several of you. Be courageous. Your life just changed radically forever. you come after we're done praying and everybody's walking the other direction because we want to have a conversation with you of what just took place God we thank you for this morning we thank you for the power and the love of Jesus Christ we thank you that he overcame death that we can have life through him we thank you for pushing us to be outside of ourselves and reaching people for you There's many of us in this room where your love has poured down and continues to pour down every single day of our lives, and we're called to share that love with as many people as possible. And God, I pray that we'll do that this week. We'll step out of our comfort zone and share the hope of glory with someone who you divinely put in our lives. It's in your son's holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week. Grab those invite cards. Put them in people's hands. And if you prayed, please come forward. Let's have that conversation.